It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hi, and welcome to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. I'm Hillary Georgie, and I'm joined by John Schwartz. How you doing? And Nathan Makaborski. Hello. So September is here, basically. Let's talk about the September issue. Didi Gregorius is on the cover, and John, you wrote this story. Tell us a little bit about it. It's a really fun cover. Emojis were involved. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I have to say, reverse engineered the story from the idea we had for the photo shoot, um, which I don't know if is necessarily best practices for uh, writing <laughs> magazine features, but it worked out in this case. I really... Didi's a playful guy, and he's an easy guy to work with for the most part. And I thought it'd be fun to see just how far we could go in terms of surrounding him with different emoji balls and beach balls and things like that before he finally told us no. And when did that happen? Uh, it did not happen. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> not only did it not happen, but we were setting up for all of this. Like We knew he was agreeing to do it, and we were setting up for all this in the visitor's batting cage. And really just going... oh way over the top in terms of some of the things which you know you'll see in the september issue and as we're setting this up we're just like we've gone too far and he's gonna walk in here and walk right out <laughs> and so you know he, he was coming from the field because he was going into the visitor's dugout and right. the visitor's clubhouse which is where we were setting this up because we did on a day when there wasn't a game here and in the visitor's dugout we had set up in the bat rack or in the helmet rack rather all these emoji things and on the bench we had set up all these emoji pillows so before we see him we just hear him laughing and we thought okay like this is <laughs> at least he's laughing <laughs> like he's not yelling and running in the other direction but to be fair Dee, Dee laughs a lot he's he does. like baseline always laughing but he was super into it and it was fun and I, like i said i mean the idea was how much fun can we have with a photo shoot with him it's not the first time we did a fun photo shoot this year the Torres and uh, Aaron Judge one certainly comes to mind. In this case, we were trying to, you know, push the silliness envelope a little bit. But I, I guess I'm not joking that I really did try to, you know, figure out a story to make work with the photo shoot. And the thing that I was really interested in is, you know, one of the things that I've always been interested in with Gregorius, which is his command of four different languages. He speaks English, Spanish, Dutch, and Papimentu. And in my head, I was wondering, like, is that ability to handle language somehow related to his ability to master emoji because i know and i spoke to a lot of people about this when i pull out my cell phone or whatever maybe i'm just like five years too old or 10 years too old but i think emoji are fun and playful and i enjoy using them but i also find it totally intimidating when i try to pick the right one but he doesn't every night after every win you know he's able to find this perfect emoji recap of the game that's really one of the highlights of the year so far so that's what i wanted to talk about and I think I, I liked the direction that the story ended up going in, in which you kind of explored whether his communication skills and the ability to, to speak those different languages and everything can have a positive effect in the clubhouse. And you spoke to a number of his teammates and stuff like that about just what he brings to the clubhouse off the field in terms of being able to speak to different guys and in different situations. And uh, I feel like that was an important part of the story and an important part of what he is as a ball player. And I tried to be really frank about that in terms of, um, you know, looking back at myself kind of in the ways that I 
fail at these things that I was, you know, attributing to him. I've worked covering baseball now for some 15 years, and probably since minute one, I said to myself, it would probably help if I knew Spanish. But I don't. I don't know any Spanish. I can't do anything. If I want to talk to Ronald Torres, I need to get an interpreter to come over and do it. And so I really was trying to make sure that when I was reporting this story... You know, I always obviously try to speak to, you know, a lot of different guys on the team, but I really wanted to talk to guys to drive home the distance between us almost by making sure that I was using interpreters whenever possible. So I spoke to Therese and I spoke to Chapman and I spoke to Masahiro Tanaka. And, and the last two aren't guys who, you know, Therese is always around his locker and he's easy to talk to. But even in covering the team the last few years, I haven't spoken to Tanaka or Chapman that much. And I imagine most of that is simply because, you know, there's a distance that comes with the language barrier. But both of them just said that, you know, they have a closeness to Didi that you don't expect when there's a language barrier. You know, Tanaka was laughing that they keep trying to teach him phrases and it's somewhat playful and jokey, but he also picks it up and he's really interested in being able to communicate with them on their own level. And obviously Chapman, Didi is not just a guy who, you know, has a couple words of Spanish. He's fluent in Spanish, like he's fluent in English, Dutch, and Papi Mentu. And that, you know, when he's a shortstop and someone needs to go talk to Chapman, you know, if, if Austin Romine's the catcher and he does a great job of communicating with these guys, and I'm sure that he you know, does everything he can, there's no question that he can convey something through Gregorius to Chapman in an easier way than he might be able to directly to Chapman himself. And that's useful because it helps build bonds between teammates and it helps make the environment better. But in a tense moment in the ninth inning, it can also be extremely just on its face valuable to be able to make sure that the right message is getting across. So Yeah, and then, you know, you touched on the, the fact that we're starting to forget the shoes that Didi had to fill, but you did bring that up in there, and I think Brett Gardner was quoted in your story, and he, and he put it so well, you know, he said something along the lines of, I don't think it was fair for anybody to expect this transition to go smoothly. I mean, those are giant shoes to have to fill, yet, I mean, you can't imagine it having really gone any better. And it started, I mean, I'm not trying to knock the guy. It started off pretty bad, too. I mean, he had a a really rough start. And, and, you know, it's impossible to wonder how much of that was just perception and how much was reality. The thing about Gregorius is for as... First off, the thing about Gregorius is, in writing this story, I can't tell you the number of times I wanted to use the term Gregarious to describe him. And I'm just like, I can't do that. I'm <laughs> not letting do myself it, do it. I'm proud um, of you for not. <laughs> but the, the, the point I'm making, he's a very easygoing and fun and funny guy, and it's impossible to talk to him without laughing, and he's laughing the whole time. But, man, the guy is just not willing to engage in, uh, you know, talking about, you know, <laughs> the struggles that you might go through or anything, you know, below the surface. So trying to talk to him about the Jeter stuff, like, he has, he is not playing. He is just like, nope, that was uh, playing baseball. Do you think it's because he truly doesn't care or just he he doesn't want to talk to you about it? I tried to ask him that in many different ways, and I don't necessarily have an answer. I think... And this this goes to a lot of the stories that I've tried to write in the past. I think the easy thing to say is, first off, he's, he's putting on a good show and he knows how to talk to a guy holding a microphone to him and say maybe what he's supposed to say. I think I'm learning this more and more as I go through. There is something to be said for the fact that there is just a different kind of brain that a lot of these athletes have that maybe like you know no matter how much I try to talk to them and how much I try to like put myself in that situation I will never understand being able to approach something like replacing Derek Jeter and treating it like well my job is to go play shortstop I guess I'm gonna go play shortstop and 
So, you know, I'm inclined to say that it's a little bit of BS, Mm -hmm. but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's all along I've been wrong. And that when Aaron Judge says that he's just going to put his bat on the ball and see how far it can go. And when Didi Gregorius says that, you know, he doesn't think about any of these things he does. He just does them. And he's not worried about playing shortstop after Derek Jeter. Maybe that's why I'm not a professional baseball player, because I totally would be worried about replacing Derek Jeter. (laughs) I I think that's a human reaction. Yeah, I mean, Didi has a, has a different brain, I think, not only than us, but than even his peers. You know, he's just a he's a really interesting guy, and I think having so many different interests, and he, he seems to be, you know, have a real curiosity about the world, and, you know, he's always kind of exploring different things, and you see him during the off-season visiting different places. Uh, he just kind of operates in a different way, and it's it's really cool to and see. And I think he's engaged, and I think he he speaks to the fans and to the, the younger generation of the fans because he is, dare I say, a millennial. <laughs> so he understands this younger generation who grew up with Twitter and who grew up with social media, and he knows how to talk to them in that way, and I think that's a positive. And it's really – it's interesting to me because, you know, you guys might remember this. I feel like just 10, 15 years ago, there were the guys in the clubhouse who – you know, we're watching TV, and then there were the guys in the clubhouse who were doing crossword puzzles. And I feel like crossword puzzles were always the line between, like, oh, he's an interesting person, and he, you know, he's cerebral. <laughs> um, and I feel like you don't see the crossword puzzles in there that much anymore. Maybe they're in the, like, lounge or whatever. But in Didi, you do have this guy who is engaged and expressive. And, yeah, he'll talk in cliches when it's about, you know, the baseball stuff. But he's also going to come out onto the field before a game with seven different cameras and try to show up, like, you know, try to play around. And, you know, when, when we're working with Ari Golden Hector, our photographer, you know, doing a photo shoot. He's super interested in like which camera she's using and which lenses and he wants to get some of his own pictures. When we're posing him in front of the helmet rack of emojis, he hands me a cell phone because he wants some pictures for himself. Like he clearly is participating in this in a way that's different from you know just okay my job right now is to go sit here and Super smile for multi-dimensional. three minutes yes. yeah. he did a great photo essay for us last that's a great training, call right? yeah the thing is you know i mentioned obviously you know reverse engineering this um for the emoji thing and even in trying to do that the fact is a he's having a great season as austin romine was sure to point out i really enjoyed hearing from the guys their impressions of the things he does well there, you run in the risk with someone like gregorius of thinking about him only as you know the guy who sends out the tweets or the emoji and obviously we're not helping that with (laughs) the photo shoot the story (laughs) but you know Torres is saying you know i've never seen someone go to his right like that and frankly the guy he replaced was pretty good at going to his right in fact it was for all the questions about Derek Jeter's fielding no one really doubted him going to his right that was the thing he did better than anything so you have Torres now saying he's never seen anyone do that you have uh i think it was Jordan Montgomery who's talking to me about just the way he fouls off two strike pitches and after hearing him say that i was really watching it and it's just a lunacy how, how frustrating it must be to watch him because yeah when he gets two strikes on him that bat is going down there and doesn't matter where it's going and that he's going to extend that bat as long as possible so i'm trying to write about this guy's linguistic background i'm trying to write about his smile and his fun and at the end of the day it's also a baseball story because he's having a really great season you know austin romine he said you know guys who put up those numbers are all-stars and i think there was a good argument for gregorius to have been an all-star this year and he wasn't, but I think it's if you look forward, it's easy to see shortstop is kind of becoming a really competitive position in the American League again. But it's easy to see him, you know, being near the top of the list for a while to come. Yeah, he's a uh, a logical choice for our September cover. That's for sure. He's he's like you said, he's had a great season, and uh, this is probably my favorite cover of the year. I just I love the photo that that's on the cover this month. It's just so fun. It's so engaging. It's such like a lighthearted, awesome cover, and I think. You really nailed Dee Dee's personality with it. So great job all around. Yep. 
Well, thank you. I mentioned it already, but the photo shoot that Ari did really, uh, you know, it was a lot of work putting stuff together and we kind of took some chances and, you know, she, she really hit it out of the park on that. She, she nailed the, all the different angles we got with him and all the different things that we got him to do. And she has a way with him that I don't think I do, but that she's able to get him to do anything, uh, and, and you could see it when you see these pictures, some of the things that he was willing to do for us. It was pretty awesome. Great story, John. I really Thank enjoyed you. it. Also in the September issue, we have a story about September call-ups because those are a big deal, I guess. Yeah, there's going to be uh, a lot of additional faces in that clubhouse here uh, in, a, in a day or so. Our newest addition to the Yankees Magazine editorial team, Thomas Golianopoulos, did a really cool feature um, just about the whole process of being a September call-up. He talked to guys like Jorge Posada and Chase Headley and Gary Sanchez, you know, guys who had, you know, notable or memorable experiences as September call-ups. So he spoke to some of those guys about what that experience did for them moving forward in talk to our manager and our general manager about the kind of behind the scenes thought process that goes into who gets called up and why they get called up and whether the whole system needs tweaking or not. So I think, you know, it's a very timely feature to go into our September issue. And I I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of reading this one. I thought it was super interesting. I really enjoyed Girardi's comments kind of on, first off, just, you know, he's mentioned plenty of times his frustration with it, and we can get into all the reasons why it is a frustrating thing to have your, you know, strategic reservoir of options uh, changed (laughs) in the most important games. But uh, his idea of the 28-man roster for September, I think, is obviously worth discussing. And I I will say, and this is my wheelhouse, and I always am the one pushing for stuff like this. For me, what makes the story is the details of, like, how they get the extra lockers in there and things like that, which I love. Just logistics. The logistics of, like, you know, how you... Because I remember back in the old stadium when, you know, the calls would be sharing lockers, and it was like, you know, these guys, they finally make it to the major leagues, and they don't even have a stool. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of great to see this now. And the things like a call-up, I think it was Chase Headley... I believe, mentioning just knowing that I'm not going to go take BP on the field because I can't get in the way of someone who I, I need to be seen, not heard, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, a, it's interesting to think of all these different things. You know, we think like, man, you made it, you're in the big leagues. And these guys are like, well, you know, this is kind of a... Right, they're still kind of... Probationary. <laughs> looking in. There's like a, a glass wall up a little bit still exactly. that they have to look through. But yeah. it's, it's definitely an interesting time. And I really, what I found interesting was Brian Cashman and his take on the situation because Cashman is all about like helping the team now Mm -hmm. right this second. So he said, you don't necessarily have to wait till September to see these guys who can help us. Some of them will come up and they might be amazing and great and add to the roster, but the guys that are going to help come up all year long. And you saw that with Greg Bird who came up in August of 2015. You saw that with Judge and Sanchez last year. So these guys, some of them you've seen already, some of the guys you haven't seen already, some of the guys who come up in the next couple of weeks could make a name for themselves, and some you already know. So and I think you'll see it this year. I, I think we were just checking. I don't think there's a member of the Yankees' 40-man roster who hasn't been to the big leagues yet. Right. Um, so, you know, this isn't going to be a 
big league debut it comes back to that you know this is obviously going to be a fun time and a weird time and you know a busy time around the clubhouse but this mystical idea of you know the september call up you know the guy who's going to show up make his major league debut and you know hit a walk-off home run that's probably not the reality of what this is this is a lot more like come there's no minor league games going on right now so come up here and spend some time up here and see what it's like up here and then kind of disappear during the game right. we, we might use you to pinch run mm-hmm. be ready either way it's an exciting time for yeah, it's it's guys. awesome, and the Jorge Posada stuff is great. And you know, it's 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 really interesting to look back at just the way this stuff you know has colored some of these careers over the years. Like this experience, this one month again, a one one month that's barely spent on the field. What it can mean for their future probably means a lot more for them as individuals than it does as the Yank for the Yankees. But again, you know, I mean, there will be a time in September when Girardi, frustrated as he may be about the fact that the teams seem to have like an unlimited supply of left-handed relievers to throw at him, there will, however, be a time when you know he wants a quicker runner on, and he doesn't have to work. He doesn't have to worry. Let's also remember, you know, while the Yankees don't have much. Uh, in the way of catchers on their 40 man because of injuries right now I don't think I've ever seen a American League team give up the DH as much as the Yankees have done this year for very I think there have been like five games where they've lost their DH because of catcher issues in September he's not gonna have to worry about that he's probably gonna be able to keep his DH all September <laughs> um, things like and things like that obviously maybe it means a little less because in addition to that you also have 900 relievers so you don't need the DH as much but things like that you know he's gonna benefit from that pinch runner he wants in there that pinch hitter he wants in there or having a third lefty one out guy that he can roll out there well i'm excited i'm glad the uh september issues hitting newsstands i'm ready for september baseball it's like <laughs> it's gonna be fun to come down the stretch oh man starting it off with the red sox this whole month the whole month of september is almost exclusively against american league east opponents right mm-hmm. there's, there's a, a few games games yeah Although we're done with the Red Sox after this weekend. After this I believe, weekend, right? I think. Yeah. A lot of Baltimore, Tampa Bay. Yeah, Baltimore, on. Tampa Bay. I think Toronto. Toronto's coming in. So, yeah, the, the reinforcements will be on the way. Uh, there's plenty of players that you know I'm excited to see in September. Well, we talk about you know uh, September call-ups. One guy who's not going to be called up this September but has really been interesting. Hillary, you did a piece on Dylan Tate. Um, I did. That's true. You know, he, he just started off injured for most of the year, but... Man, he was really good in Trenton. He is really, really good. I didn't get to see him pitch when I went to go down, but I've seen video of him pitching, and I've talked to his coaches, and I've talked to Dylan, and everyone is impressed by him, myself included. He has, like you said, he was injured this year. He had some shoulder issues, so he was in extended spring training until the end of June, just rehabbing his shoulder, but also tinkering with his delivery. Because he was never really comfortable with his delivery. He was too long. He was just relying too much on his breaking ball. He didn't trust his fastball. So he did a lot of work to really work out those kinks. And it has worked out well. Because he is blowing people away at Double A Trenton right now. He started off at Single A down in Tampa. Got called up to Trenton, which is where I went to go talk to him. And he is a fascinating, fascinating guy. Smart dude. Very smart. Like, I was blown away by how intelligent he was and how open he was with his process because he was very... He was disappointed in himself and how much he was struggling last year. He he had decent numbers when he came. He got traded as part of the Carlos Beltran trade. He came over from Texas and... He uh, he went to single A Charleston and pitched out of the bullpen and he did okay, but he was like, I know I was fine, but you can't sustain fine. Fine's not <laughs> going to get me into the majors, mm-hmm. and so he knew that he had to work to be good and great and major league ready, and that's what he did. Here's the thing I love about Tate, and 
it's a little uh, jarring at first because, you know, you talk about what has been effective for him this year, and it's the fact that he says Texas tried to, you know, mess with his delivery a little bit. And once he got his mechanics back, he was okay. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who simply knows the way he wants things to be done. Oh, and yes. maybe that doesn't always play that well in, you know, the low minors, but it's pretty funny. And the story that, like, you know, I told you a bunch of times, <laughs> it would be like last bit about last year in the uh, Arizona Fall League. He was one of the prospects the Yankees sent. And so, you know, we're working, you know, I'm running around interviewing all the Yankees guys and the Yankees on demand video crew. We're going around doing segments on everyone and we're doing photo shoots for everyone. And, you know, you're doing photo shoots of nine guys and, you know, you're trying to take, you know, your hundred photos or whatever and make them look different. At one point, I don't remember if it was our photographer, if it was the video guys, like, you know, why don't you just like toss a ball in the air? You know, your typical pitcher. Yeah. And he says, no. And we just like start <laughs> laughing. He's like, well, what do you mean? No. And he's like, no, nah, I don't do that shot. He's like, that always looks bad. And so we're, we're sitting there and we're laughing. He's like, no, 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 you don't do that. Don't We don't do that. Again, you're first, you don't know this guy well. And what are you doing? It's like, okay, is, you know, is Dylan Tate going to be a troublemaker or whatever? <laughs> but it's not. It's the no, same, it's, it's not. It's the same and thing as with the mechanics. Same, and the same thing happened to me. Like, we when we went down to Trenton, Ari and I, and Ari wanted to do a photo shoot with him. And she was like, okay, we're just going to stand. Can you cross your arms? And he's like, no, I don't cross my arms. And I go to him like, what? Why do you not cross your arms? And he and he has a reason for everything that he does. It's not just like, oh, I'm being difficult. He's like, well, it's all about body positioning. I feel like if you're crossing your arms, you're closed off. And I don't want to be closed off. And I'm like, that's a decent that excuse. Sense. I like that. And he's like, yeah, I much prefer to have my arms to the side or behind my back so that I'm more open and I'm giving off a better impression. I'm like, okay, but I can buy most, that. Most That's of cool. these guys, you know, you know this, Hillary, you know this, Nate, most of these guys are going to do what you tell them to do because A, they don't care, and right. B, the sooner they do the stuff you want, the sooner they're done working with you. And so again, it's like, it, it might sound a little silly, like, you know, throw the ball in the air, no, cross your arms, no, but in the same way as, you know, you mess around with the guy's like mechanics and he obviously has a bad reaction to it and says, let me do this my way. Well, you know what? The pictures we got when we weren't throwing the ball in the air when he wasn't crossing his arms, they were better pictures. They were, yeah, he was right. <laughs> he was right. You know what? Dylan, hey, you are correct. Do whatever you want. It's doing, it's working. So for the folks listening who might not be familiar with Dylan Tate yet, <laughs> what is he? Uh... Yes, let's introduce you to Dylan Tate. <laughs> As a pitcher, <laughs> I mean, you mentioned he came out of the bullpen when he first came over last Correct. year. W- where is he at now? He is a starting pitcher. He wants to be a starting pitcher. Okay. He right-hander? Has, he is a right-handed pitcher. <laughs> he has a very good fastball, which he is learning to trust again. He can throw it in the upper 90s. He's got a great breaking ball. And he can just wipe people out with uh, his slider. So... And he's, he, and he's got at a lot of double tools. A now, he's at so. double A now, and his first couple starts with Trenton were incredible. I think he allowed like one run, maybe in each game. I would have to check that, but he was great. And when I talked to his manager at double A, Bobby Mitchell, I asked him, "Oh, what did you know about Dylan prior to his getting here?" And Bobby said, "Nothing. I didn't know anything about him. I only knew what the scouting report told me." And when I saw him, I was blown away. He was so impressive, just the way he carried himself on the mound and in the clubhouse, and his ability to pitch and know his stuff and be comfortable with his stuff. Bobby Mitchell says he's going to be a tool and a good resource to have, not only in double A, but up the ladder. He's going to be an impressive guy going Great. forward. Well, we, we love hearing about guys like that. <laughs> and I, I got to say, you know, we'll talk about this probably more in our next episode, but you talk about success at double a 
how about the Yankees farm system success as a whole? Like, is every Yankees farm system team right now about to either clinch or already has clinched I the playoff think, spot? Yes. It's pretty awesome. I yeah. think everybody has, has clinched by now. So we'll definitely look forward to talking about a little bit more about what these teams are doing over the next two weeks because, I mean, they're all in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> so should and be kind of fun. Uh, but with the September call-ups, we're going to go and poach all those guys from the <laughs> <Exactly>. roster. <laughs> and, you know, I wrote, was it last year or two years ago? I don't know if you remember at this point, but I wrote that story essentially with Cashman just being mm-hmm. like, hey, look at all these, you know, great playoff races that you're destroying and he's, he's like, he does like, not I care. do not care. Yeah, care less. <laughs> like, there's not something I care about any less than that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, when you're trying to win games in the majors, it's... Exactly. Makes sense. No one remembers the double-A championship you won. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. You, you might have had fun with it, but no one remembers it. Yeah. So. Yeah. September, right. we got uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. That's right. Yeah. We, we have, have our... a special section of the magazine, Yankees Magazine and Espanol. Yeah, we picked a couple of our favorite features from this year. John, your, what was it, the August cover story on Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge down in Miami, the show he put on in the Home Run Derby. We translated that into Spanish for our, our Spanish-speaking audience. and uh, Even better in Spanish than it was in English. Si. <laughs> si. Uh, we have a feature on Dylan Batances from the trip we did down to uh, the Dominican with him during the off-season. And uh, we put together a new, a fresh photo essay on some of the great Latino ball players who have called the Yankees home over the years, uh, going all the way back to guys like you know Hector Lopez and Luis Arroyo, <laughs> up through the greats you know Mariano and Bernie. So we got some nice photos in there. The photo essay is actually <laughs> bilingual. The, the captions are in uh, English and Spanish, but uh, the photos will be enjoyed by all, I'm sure. Definitely worth a look. Yeah, we have our continuing Q&A series with members of the 1977 World Champions. We got Ron Guidry in the September issue, so Gator fans will be excited to hear from him. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty awesome September issue. Hopefully, uh, portends, hopefully portend some good things for uh, the on-field product this yeah, year, Yeah, well, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some big crowds here at Yankee Stadium in September, so uh, hopefully... Many of you will pick up the September issue of Yankees Magazine with Didi Gregorius on the cover when you're here. And definitely shout out at us on Twitter. We are at Yanks Magazine. And we are here for all your emoji. Like, yes. S- send, send them our way. every emoji that you think represents us here at Yankees Magazine. Real quick while we're doing it, what's your favorite Yankees emoji that Didi uses? Which player is your favorite? Ooh, that's a good one. Mm. I, I think for me, you know, being a, being a Rutgers guy and a Todd Frazier fan, seeing, seeing the mafioso dude for the Todd father is a pretty good one. I love that his first day I asked him about it. He's like, yeah, I didn't know about this until I got here. But, you know, I guess I'm a pretty dapper guy, maybe. And he was like, laughing. He's like, or maybe a mafioso. I'm like, yeah, I think it's the latter, Todd. I really like the old man for Aaron Hicks. Yeah, I don't. One. I just don't know why I love it so much. But I think it's spot on oh and the the turkey for jordan the turkey for jordan montgomery is great too which and and for all these i mean some of them are easy some of them aren't like i pity the person at this point who goes and asks dd for an explanation on all them like (laughs) he is not there for that (laughs) he's just like nope i'm not answering i think my favorite is uh austin romine the rowboat i just think it's so perfect because it makes no sense in my head i keep going back to um during hope week this year when romine came through the clubhouse wearing like a captain's hat because he went sailing or the central uh, park he was rowing a rowboat can it just be as simple as row 
I think it is that is simple. His but I also think name? I think it definitely is that simple. But I think it's a funny little mental jump you need to get from like row mine to rowboat, and I just love that. Like this is the conversation <laughs> we're having about the 2017 New York Yankees. My favorite, my favorite thing that happened while you were writing the story is I remember hearing overhearing you on the phone with a linguist who was quoted in your story, and I I, I was like, are, is John arguing with a linguist about? emoji right now? Is that something that's happening? I think I spoke to more PhDs for this story (laughs) than I have for any baseball story I've done in my life. So I'm I'm really wondering, though, if if next time we do a Players Weekend, like we did this weekend, which, by the way, I thought was great. I loved... I mean, the jerseys were a little bit garish, whatever, but I love the nicknames. I love all that stuff. Like, I was really, like, a little bummed that no one of the Yankees was able to get a little emoji thing. Like, even just Didi. Yeah, um, that would have been perfect. That would have been fantastic. Maybe next year. Yeah, maybe next year. Fingers crossed, guys. Fingers crossed. All right, well, thanks for joining us and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Happy September. Bye.